It's Sunday night, it's 9.30pm and you are listening to episode 51 of the JazzNet podcast. made by the fans for the fans. This week on the show we're going to be looking back at two games at Ibrooks over the course of the week. First up we've got Thursday night's clash against Old Foes Progress Niedercorn, followed by this afternoon's friendly affair against Derby County. We're also going to take a wee look at the state of the squad and all of the latest Rangers news over the course of the next hour. Now as I say we are live and you can join in with the show as always by leaving us a comment over on the YouTube stream. I'll be keeping my eye on that and we'll get through as many of those as we can. If it's your first time with us on the show then you're very very welcome. Uh, as always, the show is going to be available for download tomorrow morning. Uh, that You can get your hands on that from Acast, from iTunes, CastBox, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, everywhere you get your normal podcasts. So why not give us a wee subscribe, make sure you never miss a thing. My name's Ross Bennett and I'm going to be your JazzNet podcast host this evening. And with me tonight is a warm welcome back, first of all, to the gaffer, Frankie. Frankie, how have you been keeping busy over the summer? Um, pretty much enjoying myself with the family, mate. I'm not been on holiday, unfortunately, yet, but uh, I'm not going to wait to Florida until the end of November, start of December. But it's been a, it's been a good uh, few weeks off with the girls, and uh, they've been keeping us busy along with the football. Thank goodness it's back. Absolutely. Have you had any uh, any sunshine over on the Costa del Tranent over the summer? Um, we've had a few days, which is as good as it gets, and uh, good old big tea. No, I understand you weren't at the uh, weren't at the game earlier. I take it you weren't joining Colin over at the uh, the Liverpool Napoli game. Not at all. Um, I was watching the game on Rangers TV, and but, but no, Colin's a big Liverpool fan. But I was kind of surprised he was away to Murrayfield, given his um, against modern football stuff. Yeah, it's, uh, it's disgusting if true that one. Hopefully, we'll get a we'll get a word from him later. But that is really that's poor form. For, uh, I wouldn't expect anything less, to be honest. Anyway, also with us tonight and making his JazzNet podcast debut, it's a very, very warm welcome to Ian Leeper. Ian, welcome along to the show. How are you feeling about making your debut this evening? Yeah, I'm fine. Fine. Fine, Ross. Uh, been a good day and uh, uh, quite a few debuts going around. Uh, um, so hopefully it's as positive as the boys in the blue shirt today. Aye, absolutely. Um, and I take it you were at the game today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Enjoyed the game. Um uh, I thought we were a wee bit sluggish to start, but we really imposed ourselves, and uh, we were we were actually unlucky not to roll up, run up a bigger score because there was a a few superb saves from the derby keeper and a few squandered chances. So all in all, quite happy. Uh, absolutely. Listen, we're going to get all onto the derby game uh, in a wee bit, but I think the best place to start this evening is to look back. Um, at Thursday night's encounter against the old nemesis Progress Niedercorn. Um, regular listeners to the show know that I spent the last year living over in Luxembourg. I know all about the standard of Luxembourgish football uh, and it's just my luck that two weeks after I moved back to London, we pulled Progress Niedercorn out of the hat in Europa League draw. Um, so I'm spitting about that. But obviously Thursday night was a, a really good chance for us to put some demons to rest and really lay down a marker, hopefully put a, an encouraging performance in and come away with a convincing lead to take over to the Grand Duchy of Luxembourg. Um, Frankie, thinking back to Thursday night's performance, my overarching feeling at the end of that 90 minutes was frustration that we were nowhere near as comfortable 
as we could have been. How did you feel uh, on, on Thursday night? Aye, frustration just about covers it, I think. Um, we played we played pretty well for the first 60 minutes. First half especially was excellent. Some really good football. Um, a good few chances created. And unfortunately, we just didn't take enough of them. Even then, the second half, we did okay. And then Ojo obviously scores a really great second goal. And then we get a penalty and you think, right, 3-0, that's ideal. And Tav misses it. And to be honest, from there on in, it was, it was a bit nervy just because... I, th- I thought we were a bit too open in the middle of the park and we left ourselves open to the counter a wee bit. And to their, to their credit, I mean, progress sat deep. I wouldn't say so much the park the bus, but they certainly sat deep, but they always looked to get forward and we were kind of lucky in the end that um, McGregor made a great save after, I think it was Davis that gave the ball away in the middle of the park and and we, we looked a bit sort of dodgy at set pieces as well, I thought once or twice. So there's it was, it was definitely um, work to be done for the second leg. You see, it was an interesting one because... Obviously, progress came with a game plan, and they executed it reasonably well. Um, Ian, let's be fair: the the progress Nizakorn goalkeeper was probably man of the match there, as as Steve yeah. on the on the comments on the YouTube. Um, but whilst that goalkeeper was was informed, this is a part time semi professional player. Is it fair to see that we were we were lacking something in the final third? I think we're lacking sharpness. I think that's been. Uh, you know, we're talking about nemesis. That seems to have been our nemesis, um, particularly the use in the, the final third of the park um, and taking chances. But um, I'm I'm a lot more upbeat about it. Uh, uh, we've got a two-goal lead. We haven't conceded at home, and um, I'd be confident for that defence to 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 shut them out uh, over there. Um, I think you know, time and time again, last season we went we went uh, abroad and defended well. So um, I'm kind of uh, confident, not overconfident, but confident that, that that will be sufficient to carry us through. And I think you know the deficiencies and, and frustrations that have been expressed. I think there'll be lessons learned, and and you know uh, a rusty team. Um, coming off of, of um, uh, the off close season, um, hopefully we won't be caught uh, quite so napping or, or so sluggish uh, for the f- future ties. So I'm I'm quite happy. Uh, we've got a two goal lead. We've not conceded at home, and I think I think we'll be better and and more uh, decisive and clinical uh, should the chances come again for us. Well, I mean, let's let's hope so, Ian. Um, obviously, like you say, we've 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 had a fair number of pre-season games now, and two two ties against St Joseph's of Gibraltar. The standard of opposition has been gradually getting getting higher and higher, and more difficult tests. But the players have now had quite a lot of time to get used to their, if it's new players, get used to the new environment, used to the new teammates and coaching staff. The rest of the players have had getting more and more time to get up to fitness. Um, Ian, did anyone particularly impress you against Niederkorn? Um. I, I think uh, um, Kamara continues to impress me. Uh, just an absolute steal. Um, he's certainly uh, my pick of the bunch at the moment. Um, uh, I'm hoping that Ojo is going to be uh, a flyer. Because um, I, I think, I remember last season when we played Aberdeen, in the the cup semi, uh, Hamden, where uh, Sadiq had his 
dying swan impersonation. I thought that game we really lacked uh, a telling ball in the final wood. So I'm hoping that, uh, you know, he's going to be a provider uh, and certainly a flyer in terms of uh, width for the team. Um, but still a bit early to tell. Uh, but, you know, when you read this, his, his bio and his background, some of the comments, he's certainly a boy that can play when he's when his head's in the right place. So I'm hoping that he can be in the right place for us um, because I think we really need that width and uh, service into the box. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't disagree with that at all. Uh, Frankie, obviously we're picking up a two-goal cushion and as you as you kind of alluded to a wee bit earlier on, the the mental difference between a 2-0 lead and a 3-0 lead is is incredible and were it not for a, a couple of inches of the post that, that Taft managed to strike with his penalty, we would be going into this game with absolutely no concerns at all. Um, last time we went to Luxembourg, we lost 2-0, right? And it's a different coaching staff and it's a different team, different players, different setup, and the club's in a different place. It's only two goals as opposed to three. Are we entirely confident that we're not heading for a repeat of the, the Luxembourgish nightmare? Yeah, I think um, I think lightning doesn't strike twice. Um, I think a 2-0 lead should be enough. Um, the, the, the problem you've got, I mean, anything can happen. I mean, look what happened against UFA last year. Uh, ended up with two men sent off and nine men for the, the sort of majority of the game. So, can't say never. Uh, but the problem is, that we're, the, the, the positive this time is I think we're, we've got a, a better manager. I think we've got a better team. Um, I think we've got more goals in the team. Um, I mean, that, that last game um, against Progress over there, when they beat us 2 0, we had Herrera playing. Um, I think Morelos went off injured at half time. And Herrera and Wendas, they missed chances. So the chances will come our way. I mean, Coxet scored twice over there. Uh, Progress have to come out this time. They can't afford us to sit in. Um, so I'd expect us to score. So I'm, I'm kind of hoping we score early doors. And if we can do that, the, the tie's put to bed because. Okay, you didn't want to look, end up with egg on your face, but I, I don't think they're going to score three goals against us. Obviously, you're a, a football man, Frankie, with a wee bit of playing days in the juniors behind you. Um, from your perspective, how do we approach this game next week? What's the best way to go about it? Do we um, set up defensively, just look to frustrate and contain? Or do we go hell for leather and try and get that early goal in the first 15, 20 minutes just to settle the nerves? I kind of see us sitting back. I, th I think that the, the issue is maybe maybe in certain games and against certain teams, you, you possibly would be a, not so much defensive, but certainly a bit more pragmatic. And that might be the case to a certain extent on, on Thursday night. But I think that the difference in quality between the teams means that we're always going to have the, the, the majority of the possession. So there is no much point in us trying to change the way we play. So I, th I think it'll be the same kind of game as, um, as Thursday, uh, certainly maybe towards the last half an hour of the game where it was a bit more open. Um, I think um, I, I, I kind of see progress sort of uh, going gung ho. I think they'll probably sit in again and look to hit us on the counter uh, just maybe a bit more often. And I think it'll be up to us to exploit the space behind and, and be a bit more clinical in our finishing. As I say, if I, I think I think we will be. I'm, I'm pretty confident we'll score at least once over there. Um, fingers crossed we don't concede any. And I, I think as long as we score, um, the game will be done. I mean, let's we're Rangers here this is this is a game we should be winning and it doesn't matter if we're playing progress neither corner at home 
or at away, I think I think we should be beating them, and I, and I think we will beat them. Ian, what do you think about this? If you know, in, in positions such as this, where there's clearly one side that is more technically skilled, better players, better coaching and management than the other side, um, how do you think we should set up when we go over to Luxembourg? Do you think we'll have learnt lessons from the last time that we were there? Uh, I think I agree with what Frank is saying. I think it's um, it's chalk and cheese from the the previous uh, disaster. Uh, far better players, far far better manager. Um, the whole club's in a far better place, and the expectations a lot higher. Uh, I I think that uh, like Frank, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we scored over there. Uh, we got the we showed uh, last year that we can we can go out in Europe and score away from home. So um, I'm, I I don't really have any fear. I'd be uh, I don't don't want to. Temp fate, but uh, I'd really be astonished if 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 uh, there was a uh, a repeat of of last last year. But I, I don't see it happening, mainly for the the, the reasons Frankie says. I think we we're capable of scoring. They'll have to come out. They they've got to chase a two goal lead. I'm confident in the defence, um, particularly after. You know, last year showing uh, when we were away from home, uh, we, we shut teams out very well. Um, so I'm, I'm not worried uh, about it. Uh, obviously, there's always that, that that nightmare at the back of your mind, but uh, um, I'm I'm really quite hopeful we'll progress, and all the boys that have booked up for Denmark will be quite quite relieved on the night. Well, you're, you're making me feel better, Ian, because I've already put my flights over to Denmark um, yeah. with no guarantee of getting through and no guarantee of getting a ticket. So, um, I've, to be honest, I've got I've got form for that because I, a couple of seasons ago, booked flights to go to Cyprus and we got knocked out against mm. Unicorn. And yeah. even earlier this season, I booked flights to go over to Kosovo before they got knocked out yeah. by the boys in Gibraltar. So, um, I didn't learn my lessons. You say, though, Ian, that obviously we are heavily favoured in the game and Frankie's mentioning that he expects we'll score at least one and then it's up to Nidercorn to they'd have to score four. Um one of the key the key questions here for me in this game is that I can't predict who's going to lead the line, whether he's going to go with Morelos or Defoe. Because in the way that it seemed to me throughout preseason and the qualifiers so far, actually he'll he'll start with either Morelos or Defoe. Um but then the lad that he, whichever one he then brings on for 20 or 30 minutes at the end of the game comes on with a bit more fire in their belly um, and seems to go on and get goals and have maybe a better game. Um, who would you trust out there, uh, given the environment, given the circumstances, to go on and get us that early goal? Who would you pick to, to lead the line? Um, if it's purely down to skill or, or ability, I think I'd probably go with Morelos, simply because I think today showed he seems to use the channels better. But in terms of temperament, uh, um, you might think Defoe would be the better option. Um, so it's quite it's quite a quite a hard question, Ross, because uh, I think in terms of ability and, and the likelihood to score, I think I would go with Alfie. But uh, I think if you were wanting to to make sure of of, of uh, um, no problems or or uh, the the apple cart being upset at all, I think I'd probably go with Defoe. Um, but either, either are good options. Um, uh, I think we're kind of lucky to to have 
two strikers of that quality. I think compared to, um, as Frankie had said earlier, we had Herrera on uh, last last time, uh, but in a much better place um, than we were last time. But defensive, I think my my confidence comes from the solidity of our defence more than our ability to score. Um, and if if we come back with a nil-nil, I'd be quite happy to say job done. What I'm really glad about is we didn't lose a goal because I think at 2-1, um, it would be a, a far more on the edge of your chair tie because it just needs one mistake and they've got a goal uh, and, and they're through in the away goal rule. So, um, as I said earlier, I'm quite happy we've we've kept a clean sheet and we've got a two-goal bank to take with us. So um, it'd be an absolute disaster uh, in those circumstances where we're not where we were not to progress, given uh, the advantageous position we're in at the moment. It's ours yeah, to throw away, you know. Ours to throw away. Absolutely, it would be. You're right. It would be nothing, nothing short of a disaster. It'd be catastrophic, but. You're both putting my mind at rest that my money's um, not been wasted on a couple of flights over to to Mitchelland. Um Frankie, as as Ian mentions there, obviously it's it's a tight call between Morelos and Defoe, and actually you could bank on either of them to get goals. And not to mention the fact that we're getting goals chipping in from the creative midfield players at the moment. Obviously, with Ojo chipping in, Aribo chipping in with goals, even even Barisic getting his first goal against St Joseph's. Um, but where would you come down on this? Would you, if your neck's on the line, is it is it Morelos or Defoe that you choose to lead the line? Morelos is our best player, so he should be the first name on the team sheet. Simple as that. To be fair, he's not had a fantastic preseason. Um, I think he picked up a wee injury just at the, the the start of this month, maybe the end of June. So he, he didn't play in some of the sort of earlier friendly games that the other lads did and sort of kickabouts over in um, in Portugal. So. That he's maybe a wee bit less sharp than than Defoe is, and and Defoe's been doing well, been scoring as well. But yeah, it has to be Morelos. Um, I think just the type of game as well. If if there is any chance of progress coming out and, and putting us any under any sort of pressure, then I think uh, Morelos is more useful in terms of an out ball and retaining possession in areas at the park. Um, so I, I think even looking at that way from a sort of tactical point of view, you've got to. Go with Morelos as well, but um, as uh, as Ian said, it's 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 great to have uh, two two good strikers, and it's good to have headaches throughout the team. Um, the only issue is is um, does the manager know his best team, and how often does he change things? I mean, I think it, I think we've suffered in the last two or three games just that we have been changing things about that much that the, we've maybe lost a wee bit of cohesion and a wee bit of understanding in certain areas. Um, I think that now the manager has to try and find his, his best 11 or certainly his best 14 so that um, we, we have that sort of consistency selection going forward. I mean, next Sunday uh, we've got Kilmarnock away and on the Arsenal Tough and it's going to be a really tough start to the season. So I think we, we really need to, to keep winning. We've been doing fantastic. I think what's that, seven games, um, six wins and what, 23 goals scored, one conceded, something like that. So we can't argue with how things have went in the pre-season but as the, the manager said in his post-match interview today, it doesn't really count for much until we really need to start winning things and the, the big games are coming up now, the real big game. So let's let's put a marker down on Thursday, win that game and let's go and beat Kilmarnock as well when we're at it. Now listen, if we had uh, if we had all night, I'd be right up for a debate about whether Morelos is or is not our, our best player on the team than whether he's first name on the team sheet. Um, it's been mentioned in the, in the YouTube comments there 
um, by Stevie Stephen Saunders saying that Morelos is actually seeming like a less selfish player this season. I, I, I sort of agree with you in pre-season and in the qualifier so far, he does seem to be making sideways passes, looking for other players to take a shot. Um, didn't it happen on Thursday when he could have laid in Ryan Jack for an easy tap-in and instead he tried to sort of wrap his foot around it with his back to goal, but um, it's a tough one. I was going to sort of come on to this later on in the show, but it's kind of led us up to it quite nicely and there's a wee debate going on in the comments. And as you mentioned, Frankie, about this strongest 11, um, from my point of view, Steven Gerrard does not seem to know his strongest 11 at this point. And this is six or seven pre-season friendly games when you consider the the closed door games as well. Um, six or seven games in, plus the qualifiers, um, he doesn't seem to know his strongest 11. And I'd say that last season, we sort of suffered from a lack of consistency, um, particularly in, in defence, that we never really had a settled back four. Obviously, Tavernier made that right-back position his own, but on the left, you'd have Flanagan or Halliday or Barisic. Centre-half, you'd have Goldson or Katic or Warrow or sometimes Gareth McCauley, and it would never be the same four two or three weeks in a row. And I think that that really hampered us. Ian, is it fair to say maybe this could be a, a slight concern again, or is it always a good thing about strength in numbers? Well, I think it's going to be an interesting um, revelation throughout the season because it's not just what our best 11 is, it's uh, what our best formation is going to be, particularly personnel-wise. And I think that's going to be uh, illuminating to see w what he does there because um, there's players... You know, I don't fancy for 4-3-3. Um, I think for 4-3-3, you're looking at Ojo uh, and, and Jones with either Defoe or uh, Alfie in the middle. But I wouldn't be so keen on, on uh, Scotty Arfield out wide right um, doing the sort of the winger role. But um, the other thing that I thought, just based on today's view, I was very impressed with Barrich. I thought he was... He got stuck in. You know, um, there was a lot of talk about him not being suited for British football. You know, he plays uh, for Croatia, an international team, but he seemed to be struggling to cope in Scotland. But I thought today he gets stuck in really well. I mean, he didn't see much of the ball out wide, although he, he was coming forward. He didn't seem to be receiving it a lot. But what did impress me, he was getting right in there and uh, battling uh, like you would want your your left back to do battling for every ball and, and not shirking any tackle. So I think in that respect, that's you know, I, I think you know, Tav and and he will be the right and left back first choices. I don't think there'll be a great deal of switch in there. It's the, the two centre back uh, positions and I absolutely agree with you. I think when when Goldson um, was with Cartage, they looked more comfortable together, probably because they played a lot, lot more together than he and Worrell had. But uh, um, it's going to be interesting to see with, with the depth of the squad whether um, Stephen Gerrard uh, favours squad rotation more than a settled uh, 11. Uh, but I think, you, you know, particularly when you start mucking about with formations, I think that's when it becomes problematic uh, in terms of consistency. Um, you know, you remember the, the the Dundee United team that were so successful with a fairly limited squad, but they played to a set system and the players came in, knew exactly what was expected of them in that system. 
Um, and that's why they were credited with so much success during that period. How it's going to pan out, I really don't know. Um, I don't know what the formation, ideal formation will be, our strongest formation, never mind our strongest starting 11. Uh, and I think that will probably become apparent throughout the season because it's it's there and then that, that boy, they'll be looking for boys to, to turn it on in the big games like, like Arfield did last season against Celtic. But uh, um, I think... Um, uh, their their metal will be tested with the weight of ex rightfully the weight of expectation at this club, and people will be expected to to produce in those big games. Well, absolutely, and that's where the scouting is so important, um, and that's where we've we've let ourselves down in the scouting regards in the past, and that we haven't brought in players who can um, stand up to that scrutiny and and really. You know, come out and fight in the big games. Obviously, we now have a number of players in the squad who will come out and fight in the big games. Um, so it's look, it's a it's a difficult one. We need we need numbers, and um, as a comment was made earlier on this evening, was that um, we now have at least two options for every every single shirt. So th- we have not had that for a very very long time, and the the strength and depth, as as we've mentioned earlier on tonight, is um, is excellent, and it's really really encouraging to see. Um, if we kind of take from that point and, and segue over into today's performance against Derby County, um, of course, obviously wonderful to see Martin Waghorn back at Ibrooks and lovely. I thought the performance was was decent. We obviously got the result. We deserved to win the game. West Fodgingham had nothing to do. Uh, Ian, from my perspective, we, we started this game slowly. In the first 20, 25 minutes, we weren't really up to scratch, weren't up to pace, but we in my opinion, we we grew into the game. Would you say we were deserved winners today, Ian? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I fully agree with you. Was that we were we were slow and sluggish at the start, and um, I had visions of that uh, uh, turnover Burnley gave us uh, a couple of seasons ago. And I thought God, we're going to have to get in the races, but you know, credit they they stuck in there. They started to assert themselves. And, you know, you could see the difference. We were starting to create better chances. Their keeper had some tremendous saves. And as you said, Wes wasn't really called to do anything. Um, so I think we a lot to be pleased about there. You know, we, we although the, the slow start wasn't uh, anything great, we we fought our way back into it. Kamara uh, worked hard. Doherty worked really hard. Uh Hellander looked solid and poised at the back. He looked as if he'd been playing uh, there for, for seasons. You know, it was great. And uh, uh, Barrich was was um, getting stuck in there. So I thought I was quite quite uh, pleased that we, we 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 ground ourselves into that game with determination. And after a poor start, we were we found. I think Frankie's spoken about it earlier. We, we we seem to lack that fluidity and rhythm at times, but uh, we were creating chances and there were good chances. You know, there was uh, the save in the first half from Defoe, I think it was. That was a fabulous save. And you would have thought nine times a ten, that would have been a goal. Uh, so, yeah, I think, I think there was plenty to be uh, happy about today rather than downcast. Uh, and, of course... It's hard to get that fluidity and rhythm when there's so much chopping and changes. I think it was four or five players came on at one point in the second half. So um, 
I, I think for me, it all starts at the back, and I thought we looked pretty solid at the back. Um, even even when we were under the cosh, uh, there didn't seem to be any panicking, and uh, uh, you know, Wes wasn't called into any uh, action. You know, so we're shutting them out and playing them out, and uh, quite happy, quite happy with that. Though I'd rather we were a wee bit more on top of the game at the start because I think. You know, had that been a better team, we would have been punished uh, for being so sluggish. Frankie, how about yourself? How did you view the game today? I know you um, you shelled out the twelve pound to watch that on Rangers TV. Um, do you think that we're obviously we're now seven days away from the league season kicking off, and we need as uh, as Stephen says on the on the Jersnet YouTube stream there, he says that we need to lay down a marker next Sunday against Kilmarnock. Do you think that we're ready to go do you think now pre-season behind us um today's performance gives you confidence going up against a team uh and a, that we struggled against last season in a, an environment that we obviously don't like playing football it's difficult to say i mean as, as i mentioned earlier the pre-season games is and summer matches and friendlies and things like that it's really difficult to take a huge amount from it um I think we've we have to be positive though, and I, th- I think we've done very well. I think some of the football was excellent, and I think um, I think the managers looked to change the formation slightly again. I think it's it's pretty similar to to um, to how we finished the, the, the campaign when when Defoe had to replace Morelos for the the four games he was suspended. Obviously, Morelos came back in for the final game against Kilmarnock and uh, he scored, but. Uh, we ultimately got beat, so there's there's a lot to prove uh, for us um, against Kilmarnock. Uh, we, we need to we need to beat them. Um, I think uh, there's no reason we can't. Um, in, term, the, in terms of the, the, the sort of preferred eleven or the, the manager's favourite eleven, I, I think he will know. Um, possibly with the exception of the left back um, spot, I think uh, I, I think the manager will be pretty confident about his team. Um, I think the reason it's changed so much is just because, he, as he mentioned in his post-match interview today, it's all about getting minutes for everybody um, in pre-season and making sure everybody's match fit and ready to go. I mean, you never know when a suspension or an injury might come up, so it's important everybody is fit and, and, and sharp. And I, I think um, I think we look that um, it's. It, it, Rugby Park's always a tough place to go. It's that the pitch is, is dreadful. Obviously, I think it's been ripped up, and there's they've got a new pitch for this season. So hopefully, it'll be better. Um, whether or not it'll be ready for for um, the, the, the um, or, and, and it's it's prime condition for the the, the opener next Sunday. I'm not so sure, but we kind of keep finding excuses uh, for for games against the like say Aberdeen and Kilmarnock. These are the teams we we'll have to beat, and if we want to to win trophies, and uh, I'm pretty confident that. We can all lay down a marker in that game and, and, and do that next week. If you look at our, our form over pre-season, Frankie, obviously, as, as we've mentioned tonight, we've um, performed pretty well. The results have been have been very, very encouraging. Um, the highlight for me, obviously, being the, the very convincing win over Marseille um, that we spoke about a couple of weeks ago here on the podcast. Uh, and, and as Ian mentioned a moment ago, the new players seem to be, uh, seem to be bedding in really, really nicely. Hellander today was was class, and and you know you kind of see the player that he really could could become. Um, Ojo and Arivo, as I say, have been getting on the score sheet. Uh, the players are are settling in really nicely. However, one player that has caught my eye actually over the over the course of the preseason, looking at the friendlies and the qualifiers. Glenn Kamara, to me, doesn't seem to be performing to the standard that he was at the uh, in the second half of last season. Obviously, he came in fifty grand, 
um, and and was a revelation. His composure on the ball was excellent. The ball seemed to be glued to his foot at times. No one could get the ball off him. His passing was exemplary, um, and he was just a he was composure personified in the centre of the park. However, it seems to me that over the course of pre season and in the qualifiers so far, his his passing is a bit more wayward. He's a bit sloppier with the ball. Have you, Frankie? Have you seen a difference in Kamara? Um, since the summer and, and has his form given you any cause for concern as we go into the new season? Uh, he's, he's, he has possibly struggled a bit more than others uh, so far this in, in July. There's, I mean, even today, I think just before half-time, he, he, he gave the ball away. He didn't look and played a, a loose pass. Nothing came of it. And then almost for kick-off in the second half, he, he did the same and uh, and, and it was a bit more a, a, of a danger and we're lucky not to concede an equaliser. I think there was a Ended up in a corner, but um, it, so he has. He is one of the few players that's that's maybe not done quite as well. But I would say though, is he, he never hides. Um, he, he makes the odd mistake on the ball, and, and given that, that he sees so much of it, I guess it's inevitable that he is going to give the ball away sometimes. I think what he has to to avoid though is doing that in, in dangerous areas. Um, clearly, in the Aberdeen game in the cup last year, he. he uh, he gave the ball away and they scored early doors and the, the, the replay at Ibrox. And he's done it again once or twice the, um, so far this in, in this pre-season. So that's something that the management team really have to crack down on him. And he's maybe he's still a young guy. Um, he's maybe feeling a bit, a bit of pressure that the fact that there's um, other midfielders came in. So he's, he's maybe trying just a bit too hard. Um, but as I, th- I think the quality is there, I think we've seen it quite a lot in the second half as the game went on. Actually, I thought he had quite a good game the day of the last half an hour. He was a bit stronger on the ball and, and a, a bit more direct, and and I was quite impressed with him. So I, I don't think there's anything to worry about. Um, I think it's just a case that the guy's still young; he's got to make mistakes, and it's up to the manager to to uh, to coach that out of him, and uh, and and hopefully he can do that still being part of the squad because he showed last season. That he's a, a fine player and, and well, a bit of luck he'll be in the team fairly regularly. Whether or not he starts the season as a first pick, I'm, I'm not so sure. I think Jack, Davis and, and possibly Aribo will be the, the, the three guys that play in the, the sort of deeper roles with um, probably our field and one of um, Ojo and, and Doherty, I think, maybe on the right-hand side with, with our field just behind um, Defoe and Morelos on the left. So... Uh, it'll be interesting to see exactly how we set up on Thursday and, and next Sunday in that sense. It's it's good we've got options. Um, the problem is 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 you need if you want to rotate, you need to make sure guys are sharp and they're still contributing as much as, as everybody else. So it's uh, it's it's a good headache to have. It's good that we've got these options and I'm, I'm kind of excited to to see how it pans out for all the new guys in particular. Well, that's the thing. I just worry that. You know, the form in preseason hasn't been great, and as you say, there's a lot of a lot of players fighting for those midfield berths. Um, and at the moment, I would have him below Ryan Jack, below Steve Davis, and possibly even um, below Greg Doherty. I know they're not the, the same player, but um, I just you know I think he's he's possibly got a fight on his hands to to keep the shirt, and I think it'll be a big six months for Glenn Kamara to see. Um, see what he's really made of and see how much he wants to fight to get back in the team. Now, obviously, over the course of the pre-season, we've, like I said, we've started with some fairly poor opposition and worked our way up and up and up and getting getting harder as we ramp up to the, the campaign kicking off. Um, I've lived, most of my life, I've lived down in down around London, so I've been living in England for, for more than 20 years. And one thing that really pisses me off about English football fans is their attitude to Scottish football. 
Um, and you know, it's a it's a pub league. It's Dog and Duck FC. Manan could win the Scottish League. All this kind of thing. We've now played a number of uh, English teams over the course of pre-season, um, and and we've come out on top every time, other than Blackburn, where we kind of became frustrated by their game plan and maybe fatigue hit a wee bit. Um, but today we were certainly a class above Derby County. We were the better team. Every impartial journalist down south is saying the same thing. Um, Ian, how do you think that we benchmark against English teams of the calibre of your, your Derby counties and that kind of thing? And, you know, if we were to slot into English football, what kind of level do you think we would be looking at? It's quite hard to, to tell, Ross, and based on, on friendlies. The only thing I would say, um, we were, I was speaking to a few of the Derby fans before the game in the in the park bar today, and and they I know that attitude you were speaking about, but that wasn't apparent with any of them. They were uh, they were interested. Apart, this is probably the Gerard factor, but they were not only were they interested in what was happening. But they were knowledgeable. They knew the players that had come in and uh, over the, the the close season. So there was a lot of knowledge. Um, as to how it would go, it's it's hard to say. Um, I mean, remember Burnley gave us a real spanking at Ibrox. Uh, was it last season or the season before? Um, and and uh, that was a real lesson there. But uh, how where we would slot in? Um, I think it's a hard uh, it's a hard question, particularly with the money, uh, the crazy money that flies around in England. Um, uh, who was telling me today? Harry Maguire's going for eighty million. Uh, that's a lot of money for a central central defender. Uh, you know, that's the kind of money that's going out there. Um, but I, I think uh, I think we've we, we've acquitted ourselves really well in, in in the games, and I'm quite happy with with with, with what. What we've shown, um, I think there's a lot more to come from this team uh, when we get into that stride of formation uh, for for the manager to identify the strongest formation. And, you know, the point you were making about Glenn Kamara, he knows he's going to have to up. Is that That's where we're at. Every, almost every single position, every player knows he has to perform to his high standard because there's somebody over looking over his shoulder Want to force his uh, self into that shirt, and I think that's a good place to be. Um, I mean, you, if you ever, you know, you've probably heard Stephen Gerrard about it when he was at Liverpool. He was determined to be the top player in, in training to to impress and to grab the shirt. And once you grabbed the shirt, you know, you held on to it no matter what. Uh, and that's the kind of uh, uh, how far forward we are. From when we we played progress uh, last year, where where players could unper, underperform and still still uh, be wearing the shirt the next week, and we're not there now. And uh, mm. uh, I think I think it's really quite. There's a lot of reason for mild optimism because the squad's a lot stronger than it was. Probably a lot stronger than it has been in years. The real question will be. Whether that akin to that depth is the quality required to to win matches, uh, and I'm I'm quite confident it will be. Well, look, that seems like um, quite a nice way to move on from the from the derby game and start looking at 
the shape of the squad as we obviously we're now seven days away from our kicking off the domestic season. Um, so it's probably quite a, quite a good time to analyse the, the the state of the squad and and how healthy it's looking and that kind of thing. Um, biggest story that's kind of been breaking over the last couple of hours this evening is is Ryan Kent. Um, and journalists down south saying that Klopp has gone on record to say that Ryan Kent will not be loaned out. Um, but at this point in his career and his development, it doesn't do anyone any good to go out on loan. He needs to go and find a club on his way out of Liverpool. Sounds like he's been told he doesn't have a future as a first-team player at Liverpool. Frankie, are we anywhere near the running for Ryan Kent or does the finances make this one um, a bit redundant for us? Is he on his way to the English Championship maybe? Yeah, I doubt we can afford to buy him. Um, it, saying that all depends how much Liverpool want for him. Um, I mean, Ian was just talking a few minutes ago about the, the inflated uh, English transfer market. And so I would suggest that, that, that there'll be teams in the, the English Championship, possibly the lower half of the, the, the EPL, that will be willing to pay well over £10 million, or at least £10 million for him. And uh, clearly we, we, we can't do that. I mean, if... if, if if, if we sold Tav and Morelos, you, you could argue we could bring in the best part of thirty million, and at that point only could you think about spending around about ten million on a player. But even then, is is Ryan Kent worth ten million? I'm not sure. I think he had a fine season last season. Um, I like him. I think he's exciting to watch. I think um, in in terms of what he lacks and maybe positive statistics in terms of creating goals and scoring goals. What, what you don't see is that it's his secondary assists and also the fact that he takes men away and creates space and uh, things like that that, that that can be covered by statistics. So um, I, I think all things considered, I'd love to have him back. Um, I think he's a better option so far, at least, than what Ojo seems to have uh, uh, shown. But to be fair to that lad, he's scored two or three times, So um, whereas Kent didn't do that enough um, last season. Um I mean, to answer your question, I, I, as I say, I, I don't think we can afford them. Um, and the only way we could is if we sold players. And I would rather, I don't, I don't want to sell Morelos and Tavernier and bring in Ryan Kent. It doesn't work like that. We would need um, to replace those two players first and foremost. So I think the the bulk of the budget would go on those replacements. So if if the the story is true and and uh, Liverpool don't want to loan them back, up, um, then then I think we've just got to move on and find somebody else, because I do think we, we possibly need another player. Um, we've, we've still got Jamie Murphy and, and, and uh, Laddie Hasty that have maybe not really shown up too well uh, this July. So we, we do have options, but we're maybe lacking somebody still there, that are a really top-notch player um, that can come into the starting eleven and really provide chances and, and score goals that, that our, our play merits, actually. Um, it's it's a tough question for the management team, but I, I, it's, in, in terms of Ken, it's I think it's easy enough to answer that we we can't afford to buy him. You see, I'm the same as you, Frankie. I sort of think he's he's a wonderful player. He'd be excellent to have. Is he worth ten million pounds? Certainly not to the Scottish game. Possibly in England, where the economy is entirely different. Um, but for us, ten million, I just I, you know we would need to sell our top assets and. It just doesn't make sense to me. I think the only thing that's going to work in our favour here is that if Ryan Kent's been told he needs to find a club and um, he's going to move out permanently, Ryan Kent loves Rangers. He loved his time at Rangers. He finally found a place that he kind of felt settled. He felt wanted by the fans. The fans loved him. 
he was playing regularly, he was doing well, he found uh, an environment in which he could thrive and in which he could flourish. The player has a lot of power in these situations and if he's been told you need to go and find a club and he says, well, the only club I'm going to go to is Rangers, then he can sit and he can run down his contract and take a lot of money out of Liverpool for the year. Maybe they don't want that. Um, that said, it's it's far-fetched and it's it's a really long shot. Um, in those circumstances, I'd love to have him, but I, like you, Frankie, I just don't quite see it happening. Um, the other story that's that's kind of been alluded to over the, the last day or two is around a player leaving the club, Eros Gresda. Um, let's be fair, Gresda's time at Ibrox has been a shambles. Um, dreadful scouting, dreadful financial package to bring him in, and ultimately a, a dreadful player in his time at the club. Um, the rumours going around is that we've obviously had these bids of 1.5, 1.75 million from Brest in France. Um, from a couple of people that I've spoken to, I'm not sure that that's necessarily the case. It sounds more like that, and, and Gerard's kind of hinted at this kind of thing as well, that maybe it's, you know, there's talks about going on loan with Brest paying 100% of the wages and then um, we could look to have uh, a, a purchase agreement at the end of that loan if he, if he does well enough. But Ian, from your perspective, what went wrong with Eros Gresda? Is this just a player that didn't have the heart for the fight or was he not cut out for the Scottish game from the start? Well, it's a, it's a difficult question because you really don't know why a player of, of that calibre just can't seem to settle and take a game. But it's not totally dissimilar to Barrett, who uh, continues to shine for Croatia but seemed to struggle with the Scottish game. But uh, um, I remember um, Gerard making a comment about, you know, you can look at the player and, and you know, watch him and, do a medical, but you can't check what's in the heart. And you just wonder if uh, his heart wasn't in for, for the, you know, the, the cold rugby park pitch in the middle of November. I, I don't know what's gone wrong there, but he's certainly not uh, impressed that he's been shit, shifted so quickly or appears to be out of favour. Um, but hopefully we'll make lessons from, or learn lessons from that because it's been... Like you say, uh, uh, a bit of a disaster scouting-wise and, and financial package-wise. And if we can recoup uh, 1.75 million, I'd be quite happy with that, considering that he's been, I think you have to say, such a flop for us. Uh, if we were to recoup uh, a good deal, uh, amount of the, the transfer money for that, I think uh, we'd be doing well. Uh, but I really don't know what's gone wrong. It just perhaps just not. I don't know whether he's unsettled in in Scotland or he just or he just doesn't fancy the physical nature of the game here. But uh, uh, you find that surprising for a boy that's um, you know he's he's he, he's not he's not exactly the youngest of players. It's not as if uh, remember when the lad from Spurs came up and. Uh, he was getting kicked all over the park, but uh, that must have been a culture shock for him. But, you know, Grez does not uh, any uh, green youngster, uh, but it's just not worked out. It's disappointing because I think we I said uh, earlier, at times uh, the width, particularly playing that 4-3-3, you really need those uh, wide players to be putting in a final ball. And, of course, um We've lost Candace as well, who was one of the other options. Uh, 
Um, not that I felt he was uh, the greatest uh, winger I've seen in, in a blue shirt, but uh, it's certainly a loss of quality um, and certainly work rate. Uh, but um, I think it was, I think that Aberdeen game it was Candias and Kent that were the wide men, and there was very, very little put into the front men from, from those wide areas. And I thought then, you know, we really need better quality out wide. And Jarrah's uh, uh, obviously sought to address that with, you know, when you look at the, some of the signings, you know, Jones and Ojo. Um, whether they'll deliver is another matter, but I think you know they've obviously Jordan Jones is used to the the Scottish game um, uh, season at Kilmarnock, so he knows what it's all about. Ojo, it might be a wee bit of a culture shock, but he looks a big strong lad, and I don't think he'll be off put by it. So, um, what's happened with Cresta? I really just don't know. Um, sometimes it's 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 the player, you know. So we just have to learn from that lesson. Yes, it's it's a really hard lesson to learn. It's a costly lesson to learn as well. Um, the other player that you mentioned there is Daniel Candias, and I kind of didn't didn't want to bring Candias up tonight because regular listeners to the show know that I, I had a real real fondness for Daniel Candias. I thought he was a wonderful player, um, and it it kind of it, I found it really really sad to see him see him leave the club. Um, I know that he wasn't always consistent in his his output, but I thought what he did offer us was was something different. He, he also his, his work rate was exceptional. His his attitude was inspirational. I thought, um, and for him to leave in you know the the manner that this has all happened, it all happened very very quickly. We you just get word from a journalist that he's in Turkey and he's signing for a club. Um, the fee is rumored to be around one hundred and fifty to two hundred and fifty thousand somewhere in that ballpark. Frankie, is there any sense in your mind that maybe we would have got more value out of Candace if we had just let his contract run down? One hundred and fifty to two hundred and fifty grand isn't a huge amount of money. Would we have got a better deal if we'd have just kept him for the season, played him for the season, and let him leave for nothing at the end of the year? Yeah, I think there's a merit in that opinion. Um, I think the problem with it is that Candace wanted to go, so um, I don't think there's really much we could have done there. Clearly, he wasn't um, got to be considered a first pick. He wasn't included in the, the European squad for the, the St. Joseph's game, which was a bit of a shock for me. But, um, but I, I think, obviously, that the manager's uh, just thinking that he's, he's surplus to requirements now. And uh, if Candias wasn't going to be playing regularly, he quite rightly as well uh, thinks I can get a, uh, I can be a, a first uh, 11 player elsewhere. So it's it's probably best for everybody that he did move on. We got some, some money for him. It doesn't sound like a huge amount. Um, I've no idea what kind of weekly wage he was on, but I can't imagine it would have been too high. But again, you're saving money there. Um, I, I'm I'm a bit disappointed he's left. I must admit I was a, a bit of fanny Candias like yourself. Uh, he had his, his uh, faults, there's no doubt about that. But um, again, if you, you look at his stats for last season, they were pretty impressive in terms of creating goals and, and scoring as well. He contributed some, some important moments last season and it's a bit of shame that he's, he'll not be here to do the same this year. But Again, can only defer to the manager. Um, he's seen him over the summer. Um, Candias was another, like Morelos, that didn't play a huge amount towards the end of the season after Defoe came into the team. And with this slightly different version of the 4-3-3, this uh, sort of Christmas tree that we've been playing, um, Candias isn't quite as effective playing inside as opposed to 
playing further out in the wing. So it suits somebody more like uh, Kent, the Rojos and your Arfields to play that role. So obviously right away, Candias is, is down the, the pecking order. Um, and then you've got somebody like uh, Greg Duckett, who did well on loan last year, that I think the manager looks like he's quite keen to try and integrate him into the into the squad. And I think it'll be Duckett that will probably replace Candias in terms of uh, that sort of work rate and that dynamism on the on the right hand side to to support uh, Tav or cover for Tav when when Tav's looking to get forward. I think uh, Docker will will be the one to sort of move into deeper areas. But at the same time, like Candias, he can get forward, he can score goals, and he can supply goals. And I think it'll be Docker that'll that will replace Candias in the in the short term. Um, and I'm, to be honest, I'm I'm pretty happy with that as well. Yeah, I know it's, it, there was a certain inevitability and we all knew that Candace was never going to be, um, you know, he's not of the the same calibre as Rangers heroes of, of the past. Um, the, the one thing that slightly leaves a bitter taste in my mouth about this um, is, that, like I mentioned, if, if you think of Daniel Candace, you think of his work rate, you think of his endeavour, you think of his passion and you could see that he kind of, he really took the club to heart and he really, he always gave everything he had for the club. There's some games that I can remember. I remember him scoring at Partick Thistle, running to our fans and just like almost tearing the badge off of his shirt because it meant so much to him to score that goal. Um, I, and I loved seeing him give everything that he could for the club. So for then, this the narrative around him leaving has kind of been spun as Daniel Candace didn't want to stay, didn't want to fight, didn't want to play for the club anymore. I, actually, I, find, it, I find it hard to believe. And it, it seems to me possibly like a director of football putting a spin on this to make it seem like, you know, he knew Mark Allen and the the recruitment team, Stephen Gerrard, will know that Daniel Candace was a bit of a fan's favourite. And I just slightly am suspicious that maybe they've they've spun this narrative of Candace didn't want to stay at the club. Candace wanted to leave. Um, and look, how can we make him stay at the club if he doesn't want to be here? Maybe they've spun this narrative to take the blame off them and make them not look like the bad guys. That's just, you know, that, that speculation on my part. It just doesn't sit quite sit right with me that that Daniel Candace would push through a move like that. Um, final bit of transfer talk that we need to talk about uh, before we wrap up this evening. Ian, we're, we're told now that as well as Eintracht, Frankfurt, Crystal Palace and West Ham, AC Milan have joined in the... Uh, the Hunt for Alfredo Morelos. Obviously, we you know we can debate the the pros and cons of Alfredo Morelos. We can debate what he brings to the club and and his potential value to the club and, and to a club like AC Milan, how much they could pay for him. If we look at this from a different angle, there's been talk in the past of Morelos leaving the club, and the, the most concrete stuff that we had about that was a year or a year and a half ago when it was looking like he might get a move to China. Um, and after that didn't materialise, his head went down a wee bit. If Morelos doesn't get a move this summer, are you at all worried that his head will drop and that he won't give everything that he can to the club? Well, I think that uh, in terms of his value to the club, I think you know that his goals speak for themselves. Um, but his mentality... Um, is where all the question marks lie and whether that's in terms of temperament or or handling disappointment, uh, i.e. A, 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 a move or a transfer that doesn't come to fruition. Um, I mean, I wouldn't like to see him drop out uh, uh, the way he did, uh, you referred to the China 
uh, escapade because uh, it's going to be self harm if he if he's not banging the goals then he's not going to be attracting clubs uh, and that's what's put him uh, on these clubs' radar the very fact that he's he's, he's banging in goals regularly so. It's up to him and it's up to the, the management team to, to address that and, and the player himself. He must realise that uh, um, if it didn't happen this time, then there's always a possibility if you're, you're a footballer that's banging in goals and you're, you're a commodity that clubs want. So um, it's hard to get it's hard to uh, uh, get inside Alfie's head though, Ross. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, how often have we tried it in terms of his temperament? So uh, I think he's a cracking player. I, I, I'd i be happy if he stayed with us because I think uh, we've uncovered a gem there and uh, I think wherever he goes, he'll be, he'll be prolific in terms of his goal-scoring ability. I think he'll only get better. You know, he's only 22, so uh, he's still got a lot to learn uh, and a, a lot of maturing to do. Um, I think we've uncovered a real gem, and you know, if we have to uh, cash in on that, then maybe you know it's better. It's better that we've got a an Alfred Morales who's attracting interest, and a Herrera who's on the 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 wage bill and and doing very little. So uh, I think there's pros and cons to both of it. But uh, if somebody comes, and I think eventually somebody is going to make a bid because his his record's phenomenal. His ability is phenomenal for a 22-year-old. Uh, uh, I mean, I think if somebody, if we get 10, 15 million, it's still a steal compared to the the, the prices players are going for in England. But uh, I do agree with uh, what Frankie says, you know, in comparison to, to the Ryan Kent, you know, if we had to sell Tav and Morales, that's two very critical players to our setup. We're having to look to replace. Um, I, I think that would be concerning, particularly just at the start of the season. You lose your club captain and your top goal scorer. Uh, it's not a very positive start after all the positivity. But uh, I think eventually Alfie will go because he's he's a phenomenal talent, and uh, clubs want goal scorers, and he'll probably do very well because I don't think he even in Italy or that he'll be. T- uh, get the same sort of media treatment and, and refereeing treatment that he's been subjected to here. So uh, uh, if we can get a good uh, a good wad for him, then it's, uh, it probably will happen. But uh, I would like to see him stay and develop further as a player and maybe win some trophies with us. Look, as you say, and I think we all know that Morelos's days at the club are are numbered and. Everyone accepts that. The, the, to be fair to the lad, he's been incredibly transparent. He's he's always said, "I want to play English Premier League football. I want to play for the Colombian national team at the Copa America and at the World Cup and these kind of things." And the boy's got big ambitions. He's got big aspirations. And we've always kind of said here on the show that we'll we'll enjoy that as long as we can, as long as he's at the club. It's interesting, actually, Gerard's comments after the game today, when again he was asked about. Morelos in light of the interest from Frankfurt and, and from AC Milan and West Ham um, and Gerard kind of said look I'm going to try my best to get Morelos out here and speaking to you about this because he needs to he needs to tell you what he wants it's no good at coming from me we need to get Morelos speaking about this in public 
Um, so it's it's interesting to see. Gerard kind of doesn't seem to know where Morelos's head is on that. If if he is having his head turned already just by the the rumours of Frankfurt or AC Milan, and look, AC Milan's one of the biggest clubs in Europe historically, and and who wouldn't have their head turned by that? But it's it's going to be a really interesting couple of weeks. And as as Gerard said last week, if Morelos goes, he has to go early. We have to have time to to replace this guy. And of course, we'll have contingency plans, and we'll have. Um, shortlist of players who have been thoroughly scouted to come in and replace him but we need to get this done if it's going to happen this summer it needs to happen soon so that we can properly sort out the replacement and so that it doesn't hamper our season too much um, guys I think that's probably just about all we've got time for this evening um, I wanted to try and talk about the Sports Direct stuff and the Mike Ashley saga unfortunately we don't have time to do that this week so we'll try and get to that in the near future Um I just want to say, uh, as always, a massive thank you to, to Frankie and to Ian, who's making his debut on the show this evening. I'm sure you uh, thought he did a wonderful job. Thank you to everyone who's been involved in the show over on the YouTube comments. There's been absolutely loads of them, and I've tried my best to, to get to as many of them as possible. I'm very sorry if I couldn't get to your question or your comment this evening. Um, we're going to be back next week, as always, looking uh, back at hopefully a successful sojourn over to Luxembourg. Uh, and hopefully a successful trip to Ayrshire as well as we kick off the league campaign away at Rugby Park. Um, Colin is going to be in the hot seat for that one, so he can tell you all about his trip to Murrayfield to watch Liverpool today. Um, if you've enjoyed the show, as I said at the top of the show, please do like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. We're a new, young podcast, and it'd be great to spread the word as much as possible. Also, make sure you head over to Jersnet website at www.jersnet.co.uk. There's a whole trove of great articles, match previews, uh, insight and wonderful content over there is definitely worth a look. There's also a very, very friendly wee discussion forum that myself, Frankie and Ian are all members of. Uh, if you haven't been able to get in touch with us over the YouTube tonight, you can get in touch with us there and let us know your thoughts. Um, all that's left to say is thank you very, very much for listening and enjoy your week.